Hello, I'm Beth, Head of News at Manx Radio, and this is Island Life, which today is all about us. Earlier this year, three members of our newsroom went to London, where Manx Radio was recognised at an award ceremony celebrating the very best of commercial radio news. Now, these commercial radio news awards were held at Sky Cinema in London in association with IRN and Sky News. In this special programme, we're going to listen back to the nominated shows and hear some previously unheard audio from the night. think we'll just about get away with that. Uh, hello and welcome to the 2023 Commercial Radio News Awards in association with IRN and Sky News. It is absolutely fantastic to have you all back here at Sky Cinema from all across the UK to celebrate, well, the very best in the news and sports coverage that you provide for millions of listeners who tune in every day. Um, just before 6am on the 8th of October 1973, UK Commercial Radio was born when David Jessel said the words, This is London Broadcasting the news and information voice of independent radio. It was the start of what has been a richly creative, informative, trusted, innovative and entertaining industry and one which is thriving today, half a century on, as commercial radio enjoys well, its highest ever audiences. Siobhan, mate. <laughs> yeah. we're, quite, we're several Prosecco's deep, but you won. How are you feeling? Um, I'm absolutely baffled to be honest a bit shell-shocked um don't really know what happened i leaned over to chanel we're in the same category and all the nominations were really hard hitting and i leaned over to her and i went yeah the knife crime one's got it like it's not us you know like and we were both like yeah and then they say we're busy and it was just like sorry (laughs) excuse me excellent well done and uh me and me and you chanel we uh well, we got nominated, which yeah, is... We're, we're buzzing, aren't we? In the running, we're there. We'll try again next year. And uh, we got, like, a short little segment from our programmes uh, yeah. played out to all the crowd here. And um, it, it sounded good. How was that feeling to hear it played out? Oh, I, I, I think I didn't realise how emotional it was hearing the parts where the lady was speaking about being beaten and left for dead. That was um, quite... Wow, yeah, I don't know, quite a moment, I guess. But Siobhan, um, when you were putting your program together, and I'm sure you wanted to make it the best that it was or the best that you could give, having that recognition now, how does it feel? Um, You know what, it feels really weird because like we were just saying, I feel like you get nominated for this and you're just doing your job like as weird as, like as sort of sad as that sounds. This was just, I'm friends with Cody at Zori's brother, Teo, and I wanted to just do it justice and tell the Isle of Man and the Manx people about his music, and I really, like, just wanted to do it justice for the family, and so it's really bizarre to win an award for that. And I also feel like best interview category is a little bit weird because that interview wouldn't be what it is without his family talking about him the way they did. And Jit began at the, the studio talking about putting it together. So I feel like I just edited the best bits so this feels really weird and um i feel like this is for cody and for them well hi you two um, hi hello it's been well it's been a few months now since we actually went to london for these awards it's rolling around actually the entries are opening for next year so i don't know where that year actually went i've got nothing prepared oh i've got a whole pile just to take on siobhan oh right, show off. she's out to try and beat me this time um so anyway but thinking back on it now What's your recollections from going to the awards? Because I think the main thing that stands up out for me 
was just the fact that we were kind of representing Manx Radio and the Isle of Man up against these kind of giants, like, in each of our global categories. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's this news team from Global, or this news team from Heart, or this news... And, and then there was just kind of little old Manx Radio. Mm-hmm. These well, three little people. Yeah, I, I echo exactly what you say. I was going to say the same thing. And it felt nice to have that little recognition that we have, because as you mentioned, it's all these big national you know, news teams. They've got seven, eight members on their teams. Whereas we are three individuals that worked on our own packages and here we were representing Manx Radio and the island. So it, it was nice to have that recognition. Yeah, yeah and listening to them in the, uh, in the cinema room where we were, um, they played out individual clips, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy because when you put the pieces together, I know when I did my piece of Motivate, it was well, I'm doing this to be broadcast on the island. That was what I had in mind, you know. Specifically, I wanted to, you know, get some recognition for the charity literally here on the Isle of Man and, and hoped that would be as widespread as the impact would have. But to hear that make it all the way down to London and the reaction of the audience there was uh, was really cool. I think just to add to Lewis, as Lewis said, you know, he did it for Motivate. Mm-hmm. Siobhan, myself and you, we did our stories to help the families. I did it to help the lady that was a victim and you did it to help this family. We did it to help people. We didn't do it to, oh, I'm going to put this for, you know, for Mm -hmm. an award ceremony or something like that. But to have that, that was... Yeah, it's exactly that, I think. I think with our jobs, you kind of just want to tell people's stories, don't you? And like you mm-hmm. say, just for the Isle of Man, because it's such a sort of, we're all comeovers. <laughs> and it's like, you know, such a tight-knit community and to shine a spotlight on the certain people in the community who are doing different things is always kind of the key. It's what we do every day. It's kind of our bread and butter. I think for me... I'll be eternally grateful that the Atsori family spoke to me and that they were so open and I've done a lot of follow-up stuff with them since. Yourselves, what do you feel kind of listening back to the fact that, like you say, we went to London and it like, had this widespread impact for these people who gave us their time? It's awesome. I mean, I, listen, I still think about some of the comments that the people in that smart meeting made um, talking about how relevant it was to them to hear people like Paul Merson talking about gambling addiction. So that's, you know, a big name in the UK. It kind of struck me as that's, you know, on a, on a, on a smaller scale, obviously, but first it was like he was putting himself in that position for other people on the Isle of Man who perhaps hadn't heard these kind of stories and maybe think they are alone in their situation here on the island. Cause even though it is a close knit community, like you say, if those stories go untold and nobody hears about them, it is e- very, very easy to feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And with my story, um, it was, you know, throughout the year we've been talking about these three inmates that had gone across and they were coming back to the island. And I got to sit down with the victim. This lady was raped, unfortunately. And, you know, just knowing that this person was going to be uh, returning to the island, it, it put a lot of fear in her. And when I found out that I was nominated for this, I thought about this lady and I thought about reaching out. But, you know, sometimes it's just so sensitive. You're not sure how this person's going to react and you don't want to be celebrating something that Mm. she's had to overcome. She took years to overcome. And it was on the morning that we were in London. I think um, our, our Ben and Sean, they were mentioning that we were in London and one of our colleagues messaged and said, Chanel, the lady actually messaged in or she called in the newsroom and she said, she wishes you all the best. And she also said, thank you for sharing her story. And I think that brought a little tear to my eye because I didn't, I wasn't sure how she would react knowing that so many other people were hearing her story. Mm. But I was glad to know, you know, that it had helped her as well. 
I think on that note, should we hand back to Beth? She's going to introduce each of our programmes. But it's worth saying, like you said, that each of our individual programmes have themes that are quite difficult to deal with and they're quite hard hitting. So just a warning to anyone listening right now, just to approach with caution and that there's help out there for if any of these things impact you, you know, there is help at hand. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll hand back to Beth. First up, Lewis Foster was nominated in the Best News Special or Campaign category for Motivate Breaking Down the Stigma Around Addiction, a two-part special for Island Life. In it, Lewis took a look at all things addiction-related, speaking with Island charity Motivate and meeting some of those who've been helped by the service. Fastamai, good evening. I'm Lewis Foster and welcome to part two of this two-part Island Life special looking at Isle of Man-based addiction charity Motivate. Last week we spoke with peer mentors for the charity, Joe, Jason and Chris. Tonight, for the next half an hour, we'll be speaking with other members of the group about their experiences with multiple forms of addiction, how it feels to come to Motivate for help and tackling a stigma right here on the island. Please be aware that tonight's programme contains discussions which some may find distressing, including substance abuse and suicide. We touch every social strata. People come to us who have high profiles and so they want to remain anonymous and that's absolutely fine. But for some people, they really benefit from the groups, the recovery movement that exists. I think it was close to one and a half thousand attendances at the recovery groups last year or the year before it's roughly around about every year so it's 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 this kind of underground movement that's going on but we want to open it up now so that even more people can be aware and know the support i'll start with you john tell me about thinking back to when you first got in contact with with motivate and 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 why you reached out well i reached out because i'd finished up at dat and uh, i was actually sober but they were a bit worried about me for six months after I'd sobered up, where was I going to go? So they had to advise me, you know, uh, smart and motivate. So I I kept backing off and backing off, same thing again, who are you going to see, what embarrassment, nervous, and eventually got the courage to actually come down. And I I don't think I've missed a week since I've been here, and that was five years ago. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's done me quite a lot of help, loads of help. I've been sober since I've come here. I'll move to you, Stephen, and I know you're vegan so far. (laughs) First thing I know about you, but um, tell us a bit about uh, about your journey to to where you are sitting on the sofa today then. Well, my journey started back in 2012 when a major event in my life ended up in prison for three years. Um, I'm a gambler. My gambling addiction was really serious. It lasted 11 years in its height, losing lots of money. It led me to taking money from my employer at the time, a lot. And I say I ended up serving three years in, in um, prison. I had help at the time from... They were called, it was Gamcare at the time, who now associated him, were called Motivate, we brought in Motivate to help me. Um, I had help soon, as soon as I went to prison, I had help for months, went into classes, had individual help, talking about therapy. My problem was when I came out, I thought I could help myself, which you can't, I realised you can't. And eight years later, after being no gambling, I crashed in 2020 when lockdown first happened. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest effect for me, having nothing to do, being sat at home because we were in lockdown for three months. And you say crash? Yeah, I, I think the boredom of mm-hmm. having nothing to do. 
because I realised my addiction was it's related to my addictive personality. You're always on the go, your mind's always whirling around, and it's, um, you need something to do. And without having anything to do, and other events in my life, I had three separate events that brought my life into meltdown. And I went looking for a way out, which was my gambling. Six to eight months later, everything crashed again. I sought help with Motivate, and ever since then I've been coming back to the meetings and the help I've had has been amazing. It's changed my life, it's changed my personality, my family's life, because they're the ones who suffer as well. Friends, it's just made, made me a much better person. It's almost time to end, but I want to leave the final words of the man we heard from last week, who many have described as an inspiration, with 16 years clean, Chris. I think you know you can say that marijuana is a is a gateway drug or, or any of the what might be termed as lesser drugs, whereas as a rule um, it's normally trauma is is the gateway, hurt people hurt other people, people assume that addiction is in the blood, whereas it's not. It, you know I mean I've only just forgiven my father now for how he treated me as a child, but he treated me basically with the tools that he had or was given when he was a child so hurt people hurt other people and the thing is the gift of trauma is empathy and so that's why we all love helping each other because um we we know right and, and we love to put that stuff back in you know um, because we want to motivate and us want to do it well, then we had a battle on our hands as Chanel Suku and Siobhan Fletcher were both nominated in the Best Interview category for their programmes Life Means Life, A Victim's Story and Whispicity. In her report, Chanel spoke to the victim of a convicted rapist who said she felt hugely let down by the probation service after learning her attacker was due to go before the parole committee. I can't stop thinking about it and although I try and you know, think of other things. It's it's just there at the back of my mind all the time. It was early hours in the morning and I was walking home. I walked up and around the corner and then walked up home. He basically followed me. I went down into uh, a back lane to go into the house and I just felt these hands around my mouth and just sort of being pushed forward and kind of like trying to throw me to the floor. I resisted as much as I could. He pushed me up against the wall, tried to punch me a couple of times. Um, he did get me, punched me once, and I think that knocked me over. And then next thing I remember sort of being on the floor and then one thing led to another and, you know, he was then, you know, raping me. Next thing he's got his hands around my throat and started to choke me. I literally had to pretend to be dead because I just didn't think it was going to stop. And then uh, he walked away. And I just lay there really still for as long as I could. I thought he was gone, but the next thing I heard some footsteps coming back and he grabbed my ankles and he pulled me into a dark part of the lane um, and sort of got some leaves, you know, falling off leaves and stuff and threw them over me. And as soon as I knew that he was gone, um, I jumped up and ran in and raised the alarm. When he was sentenced, he was sentenced to 15 years, correct? I mean, it was a life sentence he was given. Um, whatever amount that amounts to. But I just kind of, at the time, I thought, well, he's got away with attempted murder there because the, a deal was made 
When you were first informed that he's now eligible for parole, what was your reaction? I just, I just don't understand what, what is the point in a life sentence if life doesn't mean life? Why are you giving people life sentences and then letting them out? He was in prison and had attacked people twice before he attacked me. I think he was out for a week or two weeks, or it was, you know, a very small amount of time that he had been released from prison, and he was out on a license, and he was also in prison on a life sentence. So he'd been released out on license and then attacked within a week or two. He, go, he was given another life sentence and they're still wanting to release him again. And it's just like once bitten, twice shy, like this person is never going to learn. As a victim, do you feel as though it could have been handled better? A hundred percent, yeah. He should never have been out to attack me. I feel hugely let down, yeah. Have you tried to voice your opinions with him? Have you tried to take it up? It's hard to know where to go, to be honest. Um, I mean, the only support I've had was um, from victim support. I didn't really sort of, you know, contact them too much. What What made you want to come up here today and share your story? I'm gobsmacked at the situation that it is and how I'm being fed this information that I have no control to do anything over because I do feel like victims aren't getting looked after. I feel like this is all for him. If there's anything that I can do to stop any of this happening then I want to do it but also yeah to sort of make other people realize that there's so many more people on these streets that should not be on these streets. What about those people that will listen to your story and say he served his time? I think if he had done it once and went to prison then yeah you could say he served his time and give him a chance but I was the third person he attacked. He tried to murder me and he thought he'd done that and just literally threw my body in a load of bushes. That's what he had left me for dead. On the night, Siobhan scooped the prize for Best Interview for Wispicity. And that's 2023 Best Interview winner is... Wispicity. Judges felt this interview enabled the listener to learn more about Cody and shed light on his importance to those who knew him. It explored grief and loss in a way that left the listener with warmth and affection. The award for Best Interview to Manx Radio and Wispicity. This programme focused on the Atsori family and their decision to release their son Cody's music following his death. Last year, Cody tragically died suddenly, aged just 17. Now, I didn't know him personally, so I asked those who knew him best, his family, to describe him for you. I'm Hebe and I'm Cody's sister. Hi, I'm Liz. Uh, sorry, I'm Cody's mum. I'm Paolo, I'm Cody's dad. I'm Giacomo, Cody's brother. I'm Teo and I'm Cody's brother. Where do you even begin with him? He's, he was so, so funny. Me and him used to like joke all the time and like have so much fun together like he was just the funniest person he could just make a joke out of anything really he was just so funny i'm a big music fan i'm one of these people who collects vinyls and loves listening to an album from start to finish as i imagine you probably do i know a lot of thought goes into a track listing and things like this now i know obviously this album's a little bit different because it is you know you didn't have him in the studio with you working out the track listing that sort of thing but do you think that if you do listen to it all the way through, as anyone who's produced an album would intend, that that does give that sort of window into into Cody and, and his music? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously I didn't get the chance to work with him as a producer. You know, a producer's role is to 
to talk to the artist about that sort of thing, about you know how the music will be presented and the track order and what story it tells through the course of an album. For those of us, like you say, that enjoy listening to a whole album and not just single tracks. My impression is that Liz and his family, they've put some thought into the running order of the, of the tracks. And I think, yeah, I think it should be listened to as a whole. I think if you, if you just listen to one track, you don't, you'd only get one perspective on him. I think he'd be happy with it. He probably, he probably want more on it. To be fair, he probably thought the songs that we chose. He probably would have said, "Oh, you could have put an extra couple on there," you know. But I don't think he would be happy overall. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping that we will release more of his music. Perhaps not on Bandcamp, but on Spotify in the future. We just wanted to release it with Bandcamp because we knew we could do that on his birthday, and uh, that's why we chose that app. And it was very important to us to release it on his birthday for him because. Last year when he was going to be 18, that's what we would have hoped we could have given him as a present, was a couple of days with in the studio to do the album, but, you know, that didn't happen, so... So having it out as a body of work, it, it's a nice way to market, I think. And it's raising money for a charity as well, so why did you pick that particular charity? Well, after we lost Cody, a friend of mine who'd also lost a daughter told me about the Compassionate Friends. I needed a sort of safe place that I could talk to people who understood what we were going through. And I'd never heard of them before she mentioned them. I got in touch with them and they let me be part of a private Facebook group. And it's really supportive, all the parents in that group. We share our stories and pictures. And it's been, you know, just a good way to not feel so alone. When you each listen to the album what was the sort of initial thoughts because obviously it sounds really like it's really polished and it's been produced really well by jip but it still sounds like you know you could just be listening to him play it in his bedroom i think it's really nice for me personally because when i listen to his album it just feels like a really good moment to kind of think about him and just remember all the, all the time so it's like, i like it as a because it used to be quite difficult having all these different recordings on everywhere and it, i just couldn't find myself listening to it because i couldn't find it so now it's all in one place i just like when i'm walking to work or doing whatever I do i'll just listen to it and it's just a good moment for me to just think back and remember him yeah yeah the same we all I mean, that was the most important part, really, for us as a family, was to put his music together so we could all listen to it and share it and, you know, share it in the future for any new members of the family that, you know, we might get. And um, just being able to, to listen to him, you know, we had different things on different, like I said, uh, devices and, and you can't always access them and you think, oh, I wish I could just hear that now. And so now we can, you know. It's like uh, every day the house is filled with his playing, you know, so it's ever so quiet now. And so it's just great to, just to put it on and kind of feel his presence again. If you were going to tell anyone why they should listen to this album, what would you say? I'd say it's quite uh, it's quite it's quite relaxing as an album in as a whole. If you like just listening to music around the house or like if you prefer like going for like walks in like moody weather, I think it's quite good for that. <laughs> I asked Cody's family what their favourite songs on the album were. A common answer was track six. There's a few, like, obviously, Viking I like because it's really nicely played. So my favourite piano would probably be Viking Ship, but I like them all, to be honest. It's yeah. hard to choose. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, same. I like them all, too, but it's hard to choose. Yeah. I think there's one called Cylinders that I, I really like. Um, also Viking Ship. My favourite one on the album is Viking Ship. I just think it's really beautiful. 
So now, please enjoy in its entirety Viking Ship by Cody Atzori. Well, that story isn't over, as this past weekend the Atzori family saw a public piano installed at the sea terminal in Cody's memory. You can find more on that and listen back to any of the specials highlighted in this programme by heading over to manxradio.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, goodbye.